If you have laughed at anything on television in the last 20 plus years, the odds are good that it was something Mike Judge created. Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill, and now Silicon Valley, all the handiwork of the Emmy-winning utility player who is animator, writer, producer, and director. His movie Office Space was a cultural game changer, but it's his decade-old film of time-traveling social satire that's achieved a cult status revival in this election year, Idiocracy. The portmanteau title, Idiot plus Democracy, is a Twitter favorite, but as Judge tells it, it didn't start out being political at all. At the dawn of the 21st century, the Army began a top-secret experiment. Meet Joe Bowers, our first subject for the human hibernation experiment. As you know, this is highly classified. However, if successful, we believe humans can be stored indefinitely. However, the trial run was prone to human error. See you in a year. And Joe slept slightly longer than expected. Half a millennium, to be exact. We've been seeing screenings of idiocracy far and wide, 10 years after it was released. Is this the, I hate to say it, but I told you so tour? <laughs> well, I guess there's a couple different levels of I told you so. One is bad and one is good, I guess. <laughs> like the I told you so, like the world is becoming dumber. And then there's the uh, maybe you should have given it a better release, I told you so. But uh, I've been getting... A lot of people saying, you know, Fox screwed you over or whatever. But, I mean, the fact is Fox paid $25 million to make the movie, so they wouldn't have been made. And it's, uh, I put myself in that situation, and I'm way too old to be complaining about the man keeping me down. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad they paid the money to make the movie, and I think now it's finally maybe starting to turn a profit for him. I was one of the people who helped make the $445,000 box office smash. <laughs> all right. <laughs> for all of all of these years later then, and you've got an audience and a following for this film now of people who wouldn't have been old enough to get in to see it when it had a theatrical release. What do you think makes it so popular? I mean, what I hear a lot is that it is... Uh, people saying that it just uh that it's sort of a scary documentary now and instead of fiction but yeah no i mean i'm i'm happy that it's getting attention you know office space kind of had a similar thing but it wasn't 10 years later it was sort of a two years later it started to really become popular so i just got to figure out how to make something popular when it's in the theaters so i was sitting in my cubicle today and i realized Ever since I started working, um, every single day of my life has been worse than the day before it. So that means that every single day that you see me, that's on the worst day of my life. What about today? Is today the worst day of your life? Yeah. Wow, that's messed up. Now, at the time you wrote Idiocracy, was there something going on specifically that made you think, oh, I have to do this with a movie? A couple things. Well, I'd, I'd had the idea for it, I think, back in 95. It was when I was writing the Beavis and Butthead movie. I remember I had the idea and just kind of jotted it down. The year was 2001 when I decided to write it, and it, I was uh, in line at the teacups ride with my daughters at Disneyland, and they were little at the time, and and there was a woman with a stroller and a 
toddler behind me, and then another woman came by, and I guess they had been in an altercation, and they just started yelling each other just obscenities and like, "Fuck you, bitch! Say that to my face! I'll kick your fucking ass!" with their with their little kids right there with my kids, and I'm just just thinking, God, this fight is going to break out at the teacups ride, and they were—I mean, they were just straight out of the Jerry Springer show, and. I just started thinking about Disneyland and just how Walt Disney imagined it. And here we are in the year 2001, and that's the reality. And then I just started thinking about the movie 2001, and wouldn't it have been funny if instead of this monolith and just intelligent people and this kind of pristine sci-fi world, what if instead of that it was just gigantic Costco's and the Jerry Springer show and all this, you know, and people yelling at each other, yelling obscenities at Disneyland. and I mean, taking the progression from when the movie 2001 came out to the year 2001 and just projecting that forward many years and just where would that go? And, and at the time, it doesn't sound like you had politics particularly in mind. This was more about media culture. Yeah, the first draft that I wrote with Aton Cohen, uh, we didn't even have the president in it, actually. We had a thing where the whole, the government was automated, and then uh, started thinking about Luke Wilson, and then rewrote it and added the Camacho character, and then it started to come together. And Yeah, I didn't start out thinking of it as being political, really. Not at all. Like I, 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 uh, If it is, it, that just sort of came out of really adding the Camacho character more than anything, I suppose. I know it's barren with all that starving bullshit. And the dust storms, and we running out of french fries and burrito coverings. Yeah. But I got a solution. That's what you said last time, I got a solution. You're a dick. South Carolina, what's up? <laughs> That's what I thought. But then also, you know, we had this stuff about um, Brando buying the FDA and the FCC and all that, you know which I just thought was funny. And uh, <laughs> just looking at what's kind of scary and the absurdity of it all, you know, I mean, the way Dr. Strangelove looked at the atomic bomb, which was this scary end-of-the-world thing. And, and with Beavis and Butthead, who become cultural tropes in their own right, um, 20-some years ago, people raised their eyebrows at some of the uh, comments that were made. Um, and, and now compared to what's coming out of the mouths of famous people in this country, it seems kind of PG. Uh, hey, baby. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's that crap all over you? Uh, it's like our beards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, we're smooth. <laughs> Those aren't beards. You just glued some hair on your faces. Don't you know that beards went out in, like, the 80s? Uh, look. Do you chicks want to make out or do you just want to play games? <laughs> Why don't you boys lose the beards, cut back on the wanking, and try us again in like 10 years? Yes! yes! <laughs> Seems very innocent and tame now. I mean, uh, and even on MTV itself, like a few years back, they had that show Skins and, well, 16 and Pregnant. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. I mean, I think that Beavis and Butt had landed at a time when there wasn't a whole lot going on in the news, I guess. And the Cold War was over. I don't know. 
just all of a sudden everyone was just worried about violence on TV and TV influencing kids and over the course of the whole the time that Beavis and Butthead was on the air crime was actually dropping in the country everywhere there wasn't a lot of news happening and so the news machine finds news and makes news and I felt like that that was part of it now there's so much worse if someone was really going to worry about that can you talk a bit about Silicon Valley what's going on with that we're plugging away we've we're we're writing as we go as always um I mean, we're we're a little a little bit ahead but uh yeah it's uh it's been fun you worked there for a while uh yes yeah i worked as an engineer and you're not a billionaire <laughs> no i was a i was just a cog in the wheel i was also kind of a different when i worked there it was in the late 80s or around then and uh yeah there was a smaller number of billionaires coming out of there back then but still still some but uh yeah no i didn't uh, i made a hourly wage as an engineer it strikes me that if if madison avenue in mad men was as it was very 20th century silicon valley is very 21st century and you've got hoodies instead of three piece suits but i think the difference is that mad men was really kind of cynical about what it was doing and self aware but silicon valley seems to be pretty righteous sometimes so, from rules-based filtering, we go to workflow, at which point that card is moved from the icebox into the in-progress column, and it stays there until it is ready for testing. Okay, this increases visibility into our team's progress. And that, gentlemen, is Scrum. Welcome to the next eight weeks of our lives. This just became a job. As much as I like to make fun of it, if you're saying that everything they do is stupid or, or just wrong, then then it's, I don't know, it's not as fun to watch, I think. If these guys were real-life characters, I would actually like them. I would be friends with them, I think, the main character especially. So we also have awful billionaire types and, you know, characters that are really there to make fun of the world. I mean, it's, And save it at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're all saving the world. It's funny, everybody, since the show aired and we went back up, because we, we really meet with a lot of people in the real tech world and I've, I've met so many billionaires now but um almost every company we would go to they'd say yeah it's really funny how you're making fun of everyone saying they're making the world a better place you know but but here we really are making the world a better place <laughs> and we're going to show you what we're doing and it's and and it's really funny almost all of them do that they're you know here's how we're making the world a better place. But but how are you, But besides making um, R-rated pictures disappear after 10 seconds? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that, that's the thing is that, that I find annoying about it is, and I think it it's sort of steeped in the, the hippie culture of the place. But it's all this, it really is capitalism, which I have nothing against, but it's all shrouded in this stuff about altruism and we're making the world a better place and they'd say it all the time still it's not enough to be the some of the richest people in the world they all also have to be saving the world and acting like prophets and part of the appeal i think to normal people who aren't in the tech world is is i think they get a little tired of hearing you know these tech people who make a lot of sometimes really annoying products out there, you know, pontificating about how they're saving the world and the road ahead and all this kind of stuff. So, but I mean, there are some, some technologies that I think are really good, really are helping people. I like to try to not be too 
snarky and cynical. I try. I also try not to analyze my stuff too much, but I sort of. I don't try not to think about it too much. But I was, you know, I guess. I guess Beavis and Butthead was fairly cynical, but I also tried to making you feel sorry for him sometimes. I think it was uh, actually made it funnier. You mentioned Doctor Strangelove as an inspiration. Anything else that, as you were watching as a kid or a teenager, you thought, "Oh boy, I want to do that." I mean, early on, it was. You know, Chuck Jones, Warner Brothers cartoons, and Monty Python, Jerry Lewis. I think Monty Python really blew me away. because It was on PBS, which I couldn't believe, and it just really blew my mind. And growing up in Albuquerque, just the idea that there's this place somewhere where people can make a show like that and get it on the air, and it just seemed like a, just a whole other world out there that wasn't anything like the world I was living in. Fernwood Tonight... National Lampoon magazine was a was another one that that really uh, made me want to do comedy. I mean, when I s- started doing animation, I just always would look at National the comics and National Lampoon and think, why can't those things be animated? Mary Kay Brown, she she had stuff in National Lampoon that I just loved. First time I'd ever seen anything like that. We're taping this before Election Day, so we don't know who won. But I would like to ask you, as a cultural observer, as a creator. Would you prefer a President Trump or cable TV mogul Trump? <laughs> I think that's a, that's an easy one, cable TV. <laughs> C- cable TV mogul, and maybe he'll run uh, Beavis and Butthead or something. Mike Judge, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Todd G. Levin. The audio moments are from 20th Century Fox Films' Idiocracy and Office Space, the MTV series Beavis and Butthead, the HBO series Silicon Valley, and the music is from Fox's King of the Hill. I am Pat Morrison. Pat Morrison.